Welcome, guys, once again to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 159 here. Altai, joined this week by... Omer. Right. Nice, quick week, I would say. Went very quick for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, it feels like... I'm not even sure what really happened this last week, because I really didn't really play much of anything. Just a little bit of games like League, Overwatch, and uh, HOTS, but never, like... I didn't really sit down and play anything, like, all day, which is kind of weird. So I feel like the week went right really fast, and I don't even know what happened. It's one of those weeks. One of those lazy summer weeks, you know? Yeah, it's good to have. It's good to have. I tried Pokemon know? Quest. I think that's what it's called on the phone. It's pointless. I think I, I don't. I don't get. I don't get the fascination with these mobile games. Still, they still elude me. Uh, okay, you just don't get mobile gaming. All right, mobile I gaming get... is both the present and the future, and you were just stuck in the past. All right. Do you I remember... love opening my games that autoplay <laughs> themselves all day. Do you remember that um, browser Pokemon game? You showed me oh, a yeah. few weeks Pokemon, ago. Pokemon like Omega or something. This game's great. Okay, Pokemon Quest, the official one, is not much different than that. So you start each really? stage, and you have these three Pokemon. They wander around by themselves. They attack by themselves. And then you either win or you, or you lose. And then you get experience and stuff. And you go to the next Wait, one. Wait, and there's no way it's that bad. Because what you're describing is quite literally that garbage Chinese Pokemon game I showed you a few weeks it's ago. It's a lot slower paced. Each combat round takes a lot longer. Uh, it's slower paced, so it's actually worse? In, in a way, <laughs> What? But uh, it's free now, so if it's out, if you guys want, like Pokemon, maybe it's worth a shot. The art's kind of cute. It's got like cube art. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, that plus Slay the Spire. I've been playing that a lot still. I love that game. It's like solitaire. I can just play it when I'm bored. So Slay the Spire is a surprisingly great game. And after because of that, I kind of want to play Enter the Gungeon. Uh, another good game, Darkest Dungeon. I, it feels like it's the same kind of vein mm-hmm. as uh, as Slay the Spire. Cool. Right. And with that, Altai, let's let's take it to the weekly raid, and let's. I love weekly raids because it lets us good old bitch about things. And I've learned that there's nothing better in this world than just some bitching. All right, oh. just some bros getting together and bitching and complaining because that's what everybody loves doing. What are we complaining about this week, Altai? This is one of the more justified bitchings we've done. Okay, and right. uh, you guys were- assuming well, that sentence assumes our previous bitching wasn't justified, and I refuse to accept that. Our previous, All Remo's bitching is justified. A lot of things in this world are uh, not certainties, you know? Even, for example, Bless being a cash grab. You know, you could just chalk up the incompetence. They had good, you know, they had good intentions, right? You don't know. It sounds like... We a- do know. There was literally a, the, the developer interview. That guy laughing, remember? That oh. meme video? Well, okay. That's an actual developer interview. Of course it was a cash grab. Loose sure. risking, thank you for that sub. Nothing better than some bitching, Omera Twenty. I stand by that statement because everybody this is a this is a pastime of humanity. Get together with some bros and just bitch. Bitch about the latest balance changes in Overwatch. Bitch about how they nerfed your class in World of Warcraft. Bitch about anything, all right? Hold on. And just yeah. This is not bitching, what's about to come. This is reporting, okay? Now that's it's a fine line between bitching and reporting. But I think this is one of the few stories that we're gonna ever cover that really is more like reporting than bitching, because like I said, most even most scams have something called plausible deniability. You don't, you can't say for sure if you were scammed or not. So let's say you buy the miracle herbs, like the powder, it makes you lose weight. Yeah. They'll always say something like, "With the right diet and exercise, this can enhance your lifestyle." And then you can say, "Well, I guess I didn't really exercise, so that's why it didn't do anything." But the the real the just the bad con man will be like, "Just take this one pill, and everything's better," because that's yeah. an easy thing to prove. It's fault, you know, fake. So anyway, back to the weekly rate. So we got a game coming out in two days, guys. All right, two days until the early access launch of Warlords Awakening. Got now, early access. Wow, must be a new, new and exciting new MMORPG, guys. <laughs> yep, this is supposed to be an MMO action RPG. Uh, and for those of you who've been with us for a long time, you might know that this game is in fact not new. 
Uh, this game is actually uh, Eloa, which is Elite Lord of Alliance. And here's a little uh, gameplay from Omar while we talk. It's from Q1 2014, originally in South Korea. This was the original release date for Eloa. So now, literally four years later, they got a whole new name, and they're ready to relaunch, boys, into early access. And at no point in their early access launch did they even mention that the game was actually just a relaunch of Eloa. They didn't even mention Eloa at all. They just call it a brand new, exciting new MRPG. They were trying to hide the fact that this is just a relaunch of an older game. Well, and in fact, when it was first announced, they never mentioned that. And the interesting thing is, when you say they, it's important to know who they are. Because the original developer of this game is defunct. They're, they gave up on the game. It failed. Uh, Webzen mm -hmm. brought it here a couple years ago, uh, but they shut down because it failed here as well. And then this other, this new company, they're not a new company, but uh, they're called Play, Play With. Uh, you guys might know them from Rohan Online or Seal Online. Uh, they bought Hold the rights. On. You're missing. You're missing a vital piece to this history. Okay, Webzen launched the game in 2015 in America. Yes. Actually, at first it was available as In Spirit Online, uh, and then that one shut down. And then Webzen picked it up, and they they launched the official version in 2015. And then after Webzen shut the game down because it sucked and nobody played it, uh, Game and Game it was self-published through Game and Game. Oh. In 2016. Okay. And that shut down, of course, as well. In one year, that one shut down as well. So it's already shut down like three times, not counting all the failures it had in Korea. And now it's coming back yes. again. So, so Playwith bought it. They relaunched it in Korea. And they said, we're going to relaunch it in Steam as well. Okay? Mm -hmm. We're going to relaunch it on Steam on, on, a Genu on July 26th. But two weeks ago, on July 11th, they shut down the only remaining Korean servers for this game. So before the launch in the West, the, the official server in the home country is already shut down. Now, remember, this game was free to play in the previous three or four launches, right? But so what? What was a wise move to do now? You know, your free to play game failed three, four times before. So why don't you launch it on Steam and charge twelve bucks for it? <laughs> that's that's the way to go. So and that's what they're doing right now. Twelve dollars in two days for a game that's already failed four times, already shut down in the home country currently. Uh, what is going on? Even Bless is at least still Alpha, keeping you're, their. You're missing. You, what makes this particularly insulting? Is the fact that it's going to cost money. Mm -hmm. it, they're not even launching it with free to play. They're like, you know what? Our game is a complete piece of steaming hot garbage. It's literally shut down like 10 times throughout both Korea and America. And we, we're going to rebrand it and just sell it for money without telling anybody what the original game was. That's the plan. Let's see how much money we can make out of this. This seems like an actual cash grab. Yes. This is like, like, there's no way to defend this. Like I said with Bless, at least they still have the Bless servers up in Korea, right? So they can say, guys, we're trying, we're just bad, we're just dumb. They can, they can plead stupidity, right? These guys cannot even plead stupidity. They shut the game down in Korea, they changed the name, they're charging money for a game that's free. They have no, like, excuses. This is just a blatant con game. Yeah, if, if literally nobody was playing this game through Game and & Game and WebZen as free-to-play title, why on earth would anybody pay $12 to play this? The only reason is they might, they might look at the trailer and be like, hey, this looks kind of cool because there's some action elements in the game and there's some there's one unique feature in the game which is kind of neat, but it doesn't carry the game. And the fact that people aren't going to be aware it's, it was already tried might sucker people into it. And somebody in the chat was saying it is a genius idea to a degree yeah, because it is a genius idea because you already have the exact, you already have the game and all you're doing is changing the name and charging money for it and yes. putting it on Steam. Like, this process of, of like, and the game is already localized as well because it was available twice in, in the West. So it costs you nothing to relaunch with a different name. Literally zero. If they sell one copy, they made money. And they're going to sell copies because people will be unsuspecting and they're going to buy it on this literal cash grab. And uh, I think I think, I think think uh, Steam is complicit in this. And we're going to get a lot more of these kind of uh, con games. 
because I don't know about complicit. Well, they're they're, kind of, they're an open platform now. They're not really regulating. Well, that's what I'm saying. Platform. That's well. That's why I'm blaming that's them. That's not that's not complicit. Yes, it is. A few months ago, Steam basically abandoned their curation uh, responsibilities and said, you know, whatever, anything goes. Everyone for themselves. So now, unfortunately, by the way, the bless whole the whole bless debacle, right? Shows that there's yeah. still a big demand in the West for full MMORPG, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, uh, it didn't work out with Bless, but that is an opening for so many of these con, you know, con artists to buy these uh, shut-down Korean MMORPGs, change the name, right? Slap it on Steam, slap a $20 price tag on it, and say, okay, it's a great new MMORPG. And some sliver of the millions of people looking for MMORPGs are going to just f- fall into this page and just buy it without thinking. And actually, the fact that it's buy-to-play makes me believe that's more true than anything else. And actually... I think what inspired this to happen in the first place was the success of Bless. Yes. I mean, I'm saying success because even though there has been so many people quitting the game instantly, they probably sold, they probably made at least a million dollars, a million or two dollars from sales from yeah. the game's founder specs. And the game is not Bless is not free to play; it costs money. So they sold so many copies of the game, even with all the refunds, they made mo- they, they had to have made money because they, I, look, I honestly think Bless was a scam. Very rarely will I say a game is a cash grab. Very often people will say, oh my god, this game was such a cash grab. But the reality is, the game just sucks, okay? A game that blows isn't really a cash grab. It's just, it just an incompetent team made a shit game, and it didn't sell well. But it's not necessarily a cash grab. I feel like to, to properly call something a cash grab, they've had to have a, like premeditation in their plan. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Bless did have premeditation because... Okay. You can think that, right? And you probably I probably agree with you. My point mm. is, at least they have some little sliver, like 1% plausible deniability, because they're still running the game in Korea, right? But this game, yeah. they don't even have that. They have nothing. Why are they releasing this game? There's, there's no reason for this. There's literally no, nobody, there's no reason for this It's going to go straight to their bank account. They're not going to do one patch. They're not going to do anything. They're shut down. It's, it's, it's not running anymore in Korea. <laughs> yeah. They're just the going to take your money. The game is literally dead in Korea. The game's developers, the game's, uh, I think they bought the game from the developer, too. Mm-hmm. The developer is a company called Empixsoft. And their official website, EpicSoft.com, just doesn't exist anymore. So the developer is dead. They bought the assets, and they're just going to slap it up and charge money for it. Yes. But I, I was saying, you know, you're saying there's implausible deniability with Bless, but I feel like what Bless did was a bit more nefarious than people realize. Oh, yeah, it's smarter. Okay, go on, you. Because they literally uh, packaged the game as this revamped version for Steam, and they did all these dev diaries on how like they're going to they're going to localize the game for Western release, and they understood all their mistakes. And they're going to make sure the game runs smoothly with optimizations. And, like, we've done all these optimization patches and the game runs great, right? They've been saying how well the game runs with all the new patches, right? And, of course, when Bless actually launched, it ran, like, hot steaming pile of shit, all right? And they literally just lied through their teeth saying how well the game was optimized, how much balance changes they've done. There was no balance changes. There was no optimizations. There was nothing done to that game. And they slapped it back up on Steam and they, and they sold a couple million dollars worth of sales right, right out of that. And, and that's sending a signal to basically every Korean game developer you know, come on, bring bring forth your shit to America. These idiots will buy it, and the because you know, Bless was a free to play game as well, and yeah. they went with the buy play model in America because they realized you know they're not going to work on the game. They might as well scam as much money as they can. So I do think Bless was actually one of the few games, and along with this game, yes. uh, LOR or Warlords Awakening, one of the few games I would actually label a cash grab because most of the time a failed shitty game is exactly that a failed shitty a game. It wasn't a cash grab because the company that made those games they lost lots of money most of the time. Like they, they literally this probably bled millions of dollars for investors. Whereas if you look at where this game is today, they're going into this knowing that they're gonna they're gonna sell some copies and they're not gonna update it at all. And the Bless is the same thing. Bless cost a lot of money to make. They lost money on the Korean launch and the Russian launch. But when they made the American launch, they already knew it was it was crap game and they were just doing a cash grab. Yeah. I'm I'm curious if you guys have any other good examples. So if you have a if you know a game that kind of falls into this mold, like Bless or Warlords Awakening, 
uh, leave a comment. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Uh, a few of you guys mentioned Air uh, as a potential game like this. It's not necessarily, not, not, it's oh, yeah. not necessarily in the same boat because it's never been out yet. It's not know? out yet, exactly. I'm going to say, can you guys think of any examples that are... Um... I can think of one. What do you got? I got a good one. I got a good example of yet another cash grab. No Man's Sky was also deceptive. Oh, that's true. It's very deceptive, and they were they were they were definitely a scammy. But I think what we're what we're trying to discuss is a game that you know is just literally a cash grab where they know it's going to fail because it failed in its home market multiple times. Well, and they're just trying to get as much money as they can before it shuts down. Also, we should add that the intent is to just con people. Whereas with yeah. No Man's Sky, presumably based on the feedback of what I've been reading today with that new update, uh, at least they're trying uh, over years to... But they still lied, you know. Their they did initial, lie. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 I will count that. Was to that's, that's a good one. So that's I'll still too. count that one. All right, yeah. Star Citizen? Yes. It, it could, yes, that, that's from... An, I, I have a good one too. Ready? Asta Online. You remember oh, that one, Altai? I do remember Asta Online. Asta Online was the, supposed to be the, the, the world of worker at the South Korea, right? And basically, <laughs> by the time... I think it originally launched uh, through WebZen. I feel like WebZen is really like the cornerstone for these shit games sometimes. Like They really end up on WebZen's platform somehow. No, this LO is on WebZen as well, but uh, this is supposed to be the the the, the, the world work at the Korea, and the game shut down in Korea. And after it shut down, they WebZen's like got this genius idea. Okay, this game shut down in Korea, so we can probably get the license for it for literally nothing because it's a piece of shit game that nobody wants to play. So they licensed it in um, you know, they licensed for the international release and they launched it in America after it already shut down. And lo and behold, guys, the WebZen version shut down because literally nobody wants to play a failed piece of shit game. And then once that one shut down, Move Games launched it as well on Steam again. So they relaunched it on Steam. And I, th- I, I think it was, that was last year. And I tried to look at it today, but I'm pretty sure it's gone. There's no play button on Steam anymore. So I think it shut down once again. So it might be around again off Steam now, but that's, that game is also one of the games. Just just let it die. You know, let it die. You know, stop giving, stop giving the game hope. Just let it calmly fade away into the distance. All right? Just let it go. Indeed. Wait, what, 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 I want to send. A, I want to send a message to all the South Korean game developers and publishers out there. We don't want your failed shit. All right. You want to <laughs> launch a game in America? Launch a game in America. But don't bring the shit that you know sucks ass. You know, it's a, it's like the steaming pile of shit that just, you just couldn't sell in South Korea, and the game shut down. And you get this genius idea. Why don't we just launch it in America? Maybe those Americans love our shit. I don't know. It's I, why are they doing it? it? It just, it just, it just seems so like dishonest. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of, and honestly there are a couple of companies in Korea that I feel like get too much hate that they don't deserve like Nexon being one of them you can love I or, agree you can love or hate their games right but the fact that they're still supporting MS1 Mabinogi Vindictus here in the west right it shows that it wasn't a cash grab you know whether you like the game or not is a separate issue but at least it wasn't a cash grab because they're you know they're continuously supporting it they're still here um, yeah, so that's a big difference I think between the fly by night you know launches versus uh, the more reputable names on that note, I still if, if there's any if there's any Korean game developers that would just sell me their shitty game, I I, I would pay up to five thousand dollars for a shitty Korean game that shut down just to relaunch for fun to see what happens. I tried emailing Webzen, their licensing division, but their licensing department like they've it's like licensing at webzen.com. I, I emailed them and it just literally bounced. So I I couldn't even get in touch with like because Webzen actually has licenses for a lot of garbage games that they never even launched or they launched and it already failed. So I would love to like, buy one of those games from them, but it's been really hard. I can't even reach them to do it. So. I would love to buy one of these games, just launch it for fun, and see what happens. I think you'll have a chance. I think uh, the whole the, the fact that Steam kind of gave up on curation means that a lot of these games are shut down, including people people saying Scarlet Blade. But any every basically every MMORPG in the last twenty years, I think, will eventually make its way to Steam because if, as long as the source code is still you know in one piece, somebody will slap it up uh, and charge ten bucks for a founder's pack, and you know hope mm-hmm. and hope somebody bites. 
So yeah, because if if all they're doing is running the servers, the actual server costs are like probably less than hundred bucks a month for these games with nobody yeah. on it. Like especially today, it's almost, the, everything yeah. it'd be online, cloud with cloud services. Yeah, you put that up on Amazon. You, you, your monthly bill with such a small player basically almost nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's doable. I mean, we've seen also um, Suba Games. Like they are the purveyor of like the shittiest Korean games. But look, I can respect I can respect Suba Games because what they do is they 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 get these shutdown games and they relicense them and they and they basically um. They basically have them on supergames.com as free to play forever. Like if Super Games like charge money for these games and they shut them down very quickly, it'd be kind of sketch. Like you can play all these old garbage games for free, and there's no like, and they've been running for years. So like Nine Dragons has been running for years now on here. Like games like Divine Souls, like I bet nobody's heard of Divine Souls. It's like it was one of the OG uh, Mabinogi Heroes ripoffs, one of the OG Vindictus ripoffs. Like this copied Dragoness and, and Vindictus, and it was on Fiesta. It was it was on Outspark's website. If you guys Outspark. still remember that publisher. Yep. So like they they run these games for a long time. So at least some respect to Super Games, but they're not, you know it's, it's not a cash grab when they're doing because it's all free to play and they've been running it for years. Indeed. Wait, South Korea, we don't want your shit games. All right. We we, we need Trump to put a tariff on all these garbage relaunch shit tier Korean games. All right. If it's already shut down in Korea, we don't want it. All right. Get it out of here. Well, funny story. Uh, not too long ago, China actually put a ban on new mm-hmm. Korean games. Uh. I think I lifted it recently. It was over some kind of missile defense that the U.S. Yeah, put, there, there was like some politics nonsense though. Nothing actually happened. A lot of games were delayed going into Korea, mm-hmm. but now I think once it got lifted, they all they all came in. Yeah. But yeah. That's that that that's our spiel about these garbage shutdown yeah. games launching. Don't play. Don't buy Warlords Awakening. It's a waste of money. It's going to fail. It's going to shut down again. But they're going to keep your twelve bucks. With that's that, the minimum price. With that said, I'm actually really curious now to uh, to go on you know July 26th to go on Steam and see how many people are online because that will show how many people paid for the game. Less than hundred though, I think probably is going to be on launch day. Really? My guess. My guess. Okay, we'll see. They'll scam people, but it won't be like a big big scale scam because you know twelve. What is this random random game? You know, it's kind, it's yeah. kind of odd. All right. And with that, we should we should take it to Maple Story too, because Maple Story two closed beta two began I think last week or this week last week. This week I lied this week, uh, I think on nineteenth it began. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing a little bit of Maple Story two. I'll play. What about you? Well, I only play with you uh, this last Friday. Or Friday, yeah, and that's it. So on, on our Friday stream, we we played a little bit. We you know it was the same as basically closed beta two. They I think added new raids, a couple new raids, and some late uh, end game dungeons. But this time around, I started experimenting with the games. Um, Basically, the game's custom engine where you can actually import assets into the game. And I had an unbelievable amount of fun with that. So I, I want to show you some of the creations I made, Altai, sure. and see what you think about it. Let's all right? see it. As we talked about before, MapleStory 2 has this really um, innovative system where you can basically import our assets into the game and basically do whatever you want with it. So I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm going to show... Uh, just take a look at all the stuff I've made in game. Everything here is safe for work, so we can show it on, on, on stream. I did make some really weird, like... Not safe for work stuff. Some like some <laughs> there's obvious porn in the game you can import too, but obviously if people report you get banned. But just take a look at the the one I showed right now. It's pretty. I think it's pretty spicy. All right, let's see this. All right, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Let's uh, zoom in. Yeah. So the, again, you can literally with your character, you can actually like import any art asset into the game and edit it onto your character, and everybody else can see it as well. So you can see some of these are my friends as well. There's one of my buddies was running uh, like one of the it's, like, it's like an emote called the 2B Gasm. Uh, it's, a, it's an emote on Discord with the shield. They have like, uh, like it's an well-known anime faces. I put the XD girl face on my character, and like you can see some Pepe's in there as well. My buddy Chaos Shield was Captain Kang's in the bottom left over there. I was gonna say that the Pepe thing might get you in trouble. That's like a hate symbol now. <laughs> it's not an act. It's not act. It can't be actually a hate symbol because what's funny is people are actually selling the Pepe hat. Like the one on the top left oh, is what somebody else made. 
in that Pepe phase, you can actually buy with cash shop currency in the game. Like the, the way it works is um, you can make your own creations and you can put those creations on the game's uh, auction house and buy and sell with other people. Because mm -hmm. once you make it, it becomes an item in the game. And people who buy the item can't just duplicate it as well. So they have to buy it from you. Or they can just reverse engineer it as well, make their own version of it too. But it requires some a little bit of finesse with the game's um with the game's like editor. But it opens up on paint and uh, Photoshop as well. So if you know way around those, you'll be good. But I thought it was really awesome. The fact that you can do all this custom stuff in the game. And when you run around Maple Story too, you see some really um you see other people with very well known like you know, anime characters on their faces. You can see like uh like porches on the wall, like just like some memes and stuff. And I really like it. It's it's the only it's one of the only more pizza we can do something like this in it. And all of this is available with no like there's no moderation. Like there's no preempt moderation. So it's not like you, you make a design and then a moderator is approve it. No, everything is auto approved. But if you do anything you know, anything that's offensive you can be reported for and you'll be banned afterwards. But the fact that they allow it, you know, to be done right from the get go with no manual approval, I think it's in lots of creativity really explode in the game. Yeah. But end game fashion is everything in MRPGs. And no, no MRPGs will have the same endgame fashion that Mabel Story has from the get-go. From what I read, though, uh, making your own custom item like this will require a cash shop item. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think you'll see a lot less initially in OB than you are in CB, because I'm, I'm pretty sure in CB they're just giving them away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's free. It's free to make an in-game. Right so, so I'm hoping a, that there's a way to get it for free. I uh, we'll see. But so now is the time to try it, though. If if you're into closed beta and you and you're interested in messing with this, now is the best time because items are free to mess with. Yeah, if if you, if, you, if you want to mess with it, and that was awesome. You know, there's you've, basically everyone gets like X amount of free cash up currency as well. You can make infinite amounts of these custom designs too, so it's mega awesome. I think this kind of uh, like this part of Maple Story is awesome, but this is not just it either. I mean, the game has a really quality emotes as well. As a, but those you players can't design those. Those are to be kind of you know those are designed by Nexon and being sold in the cash shop. Mm -hmm. But there's also um, like this same level of you know creativity is allowed for like housing in the game. So housing assets, wallpapers and stuff. And some furniture elements can actually be designed in the same way, where you have a blank canvas and you can import whatever assets you want into the game. And that, again, I think is pretty insane. That they can get away with it. It, it just—it does sound abusable, but from what I, from what I've seen, it just it just mainly like anime characters and stuff like that in the game. And obviously, you're not supposed to do like um, copyrighted content, but who's gonna like unless somebody complains, then, I, then it's gonna be like they're gonna look past it, you know? Yeah, and I think. The abusability is probably higher now because, like I said, everybody's getting it in closed beta. Mm -hmm. uh, so anybody with a free account can like lock. It's not going to be like this in open beta where anybody can just like, imagine a 4chan raid where like a hundred guys make accounts and they all at the same time turn on some crazy like racist yeah, thing. You can literally put swastikas on your character like overnight. You but know? you but like, you but you can't once OB comes out because no, they're not going to spend a yes. hundred. You know they're not going to spend money on on that. But it's, it's probably like a dollar or two to get one customizable piece of clothing. You know, like if you yeah. want to be an asshole for a dollar, you could. Maybe. But they still make money off it, and then they'll ban you. So it becomes like a win-win, I guess. But I wonder what kind of stories will be covered if like that happens. Like, imagine 4chan does the whole pools close thing with the effort thing or eight. That'd be awesome. I, it, it would be. It would, it be, would be awesome. I think. Yeah, it would be entertaining. But I think it'd I be can bad look for us. Some videos on Internet Historian's YouTube channel covering uh, the raids of Maple Story. Mm -hmm. Maple Story Two, that is. That'd be spicy. So this last week, also, Altai and I played uh, Mush King Royale and Maple Story Two, and while the actual game mode was kind of buggy and laggy, it, it really tells you what you can do with MapleStory 2. So if you haven't heard of Mushkin Royale, it's basically the game's uh, Battle Royale game mode. Only 50 players on a big map basically jump off a balloon in random spots. You've got the basic Battle Royale elements with the circle getting smaller and smaller, fighting to be the last person standing. And this is all within MapleStory 2. And in this game mode, there is no advantage to being a higher level. Everything gets equalized, and you're basically playing Battle Royale in MapleStory 2, which is pretty badass. And even though the core game was kind of meh, 
just just seeing this game mode in there shows that what you can do with the Maple Story 2 engine. Yeah. I, I I foresee a future where like a year from now when the game is out that they'll have like a whole bunch of these other side game modes. Like whether it's Battle Royale, whether it's like I can already imagine Mario Kart style racing game within Maple Story 2. Like why not, right? If they can do a 50 person Battle Royale, they can do a you know 10 15 player racing game. They they already have some really fun quiz games. They have a lot of uh, other goodies in here as well. Like this could be like the it, it is all the raiding, combat, crafting of a traditional RPG with all the casual like mini games and fun stuff that you you'd want in a virtual world. If the engine is flexible and it's not a, the lag is not an issue like it was for us yeah. with the with the Battle Royale, I could mm-hmm. I could see this potentially becoming something like Roblox, where these mini, these player created mini games kind of outshine the actual game, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like Fortnite Definitely. with the with the survival thing versus the battle royale, right? The, the battle royale was a kind of add on, but it kind of totally mm-hmm. foreshadowed, you know, outshine the uh, main game. That could happen I here, w- but it depends how good the engine is. Yeah, I would love to, I would love them to have tools in the game to have players develop their own uh, mini games and stuff. That would be, I think, the end goal. I mean, yeah. next on themselves can make all the basic stuff, but I think making player run player tools can make this into like a Roblox style game where players yeah. can do all this cool shit. But actually, a bit of a fun fact. I'm I, I'm curious if anyone in the stream knew this. But there was a mini game. So there's one mini game, Maple Story 2, that pops up as you play. It's called the Quiz Game. I forgot what the exact name was. But you basically get like ten true or false questions, and you like you have like fifty to hundred players in the mini game. So you either you stand on the left side of the screen, which is true, or the right side, which is false, and you go through some questions. The first question was like, uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter goes to a magical school called Hogwarts. True or false? That was obviously true. Everybody went to the true side, right? I think once I got the question four, one of the questions was that actually today I learned for me. One of the questions was that Magellan coined the term Pacific Ocean. So when that happened, I wasn't exactly sure. I'm looking at the board, everyone's saying false. Like literally 100% of players are standing on false. I'm like, you know what, it's probably false. I mean, Pacific Ocean is a thing, but I don't know if this, this famous explorer is the one that coined the term. And actually, everyone lost. Like, look, the, 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 it's like a trap door. The ground, the ground breaks down, and everyone falls down. So it was actually true. So today I learned that Magellan was the one who coined the phrase Pacific Ocean. That's a fun fact for everyone on the stream. Now, I also did not little, know that. A little, so. little bit wiser. Yeah. But it's pretty funny because you can always like sometimes you go by like if you know the answer or not you can always or you just look at the board and see where everybody else is standing and go where the majority is you know to see if bandwagon the majority. I I did verify it afterwards as well. Maybe next time is wrong. Nope, my buddy uh, Canaris actually googled it after I lost. Because the thing is, I was on I was on Discord with my buddy Canaris and I asked him the question like, is it uh oh shit this question is Magellan coined the phrase Pacific Ocean? Like, That's not true, right? He's like, no, I doubt it. So we both said it wasn't true and then it happened to be true. We both lost. Feels bad, man. You can always Google the answer as well too. But I mean, I, I thought I thought it was way too obvious. I, I feel like I didn't have to Google it. But you know, it's a little takeaway for everyone. Now we all know that Magellan coined the phrase Pacific Ocean, which I think means uh, like the calm ocean. Yeah, exactly. I think we all got it right there. So you, yeah. you guys are learning. You can learn from Maple Story Two, guys. All right, it's an educational. Maple Story game. Two is an educational game. All right, but like I don't I don't know what it is, but I love seeing this like quiz game, the battle royale game. The, there's a platforming game. There's a, a foot racing game. I love seeing this in an MMORPG, and it's not just in Maple Story 2. Uh, Guild Wars 2 had some fun, um, there's some race events in Guild Wars 2, where some of the quests, like with dynamic quests, are actually just like racing with other players. I think it's awesome. We've seen some like Gold Saucer style mini games in, in Final Fantasy 14, but those feel more like cheaper style mini games because they're like arcadey games, like Flash games, very kind of meh. But seeing these interactive multiplayer games in Maple Story 2 gets me mega hype. Because while I love the core game of Final Fantasy 14, and I'm liking the core gameplay so far in Maple Story 2, I think what, what keeps players around is really these these, these mini games are fun. Like I, I want to go into Final Fantasy 14 and just hang out sometimes. I'm ready, like, after I do my raids, 
like five of my friends are online. Let's go hang out. Let's go. Let's go to the gold sauce. Let's go play some of these shitty mini games. I'm able to too. Let's go play some battle royale mode after after we're done raiding. We go to some guy's house, play with the emotes. There's other shit to do besides just just grinding. I think Maple Story 2, if they pull it off correctly, could easily be like a, a huge success. They have to double down on these features, though. I want to see like at least 20, 30 of these games in the, you know within Maple Story 2. Like, why can't Maple Story 2 just literally have a Mario Party clone inside of it, where you and five friends just literally play Mario Party within the game? Where there's like the, the different mini games and shit. Like, you could do so much in this game. I, I agree. Like I said, I in my in my mind, I'm seeing like a Roblox kind of interface where you log in, and one of the one of your UI buttons just brings up a list of all these. Yeah. Games. You scroll. You enter the rooms. Um, you can spend money in the mini games, and then the, the creator gets a cut. They could definitely yeah. do something like this, hopefully. Uh, but we'll see. Because remember, in Korea, this game was not nowhere near as successful as MS. It's doing it's doing pretty well in China from everything I read oh, so far. That's good. So the Chinese the Chinese release has been doing pretty pretty well. Obviously, we'll see how long, how well the American release does. I mean, just some some insight to that as well. They they started selling founders packs for the first time. Uh, this last right when in, in closed beta too. So if you never got access to closed beta, you can buy your way in with the founders pack. And they, they say they're only selling 20,000 Founders Packs. And if I remember correctly, they, those all sold out within 48 hours. Probably 24, actually, but I'm saying 48 just to, just to be safe. Because I know for sure they sold out in 48, because that's when I actually checked. They sold out probably well before that. So all 20,000 Founders Packs are sold out, including the $100 bundle. So there is hype for Maple Story 2, and I think uh, rightfully so. It is interesting that they just... They, and, and I guess to Nexon's credit, they only sold 20,000 Founders Packs, right? Uh, mm -hmm. They're trying to build hype a little bit, you know, make it exclusive. But remember, a Founders Pack was supposed to be something exclusive because you get those special items. It's not special if everybody can get it. So the fact that they That's actually, true. so the fact that they actually only sold twenty thousand to me it shows that they, again, they're a company that's not after a cash grab. Like they're actually a real company. Also, Alta, you're showing off some Korean gameplay. Forget that. Show some English one. I, I like you have some English one. Oh, uh, I, it's a quiz. Might as well have to see the quiz game in uh, you know, in English. I I figured it didn't matter, but you sure I'll play yours. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't really matter. It, it, it's just one of the many, many games within within Maple Story too. And I do want to say at least like you can say what you will about like Nexon, but I feel like they're they're one of the more legit game companies. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. they I'm sure they do some some sketchy things like everybody else, but they're not like outright cash grab the way that we saw from Bless and the way we're seeing from Warlords Awakening and Asta Online. There's, there's there's so many actual cash grabs that I feel like um look at that in 1988 Soul Olympics China won the, the overall number one spot. Alta, do you know the answer to that? No. I don't either. Is it true or false? false. I got false. no idea. False. false. I say true then. There's no way in 1988 China had a, you know, a viable team. It was false. You're right. Most players in the game in the background were in the were in the false were in the true category. So I went with the I went with the audience boys. I think they had the most in um, 2008 when they hosted it, but not mm -hmm. not not the 80s. But it, it just you know it, it's a pretty fun mini game. So I I I would like Maple Story Two would literally be my go-to game if they can just. Uh, have like tons more mini games in it. You know, that's really I think the thing that's missing from the game. You still like you still have a good amount, but more will be better. And these actually reward you as well with experience. And it's based on what level you are, percentage based rewards. So it would always be kind of relevant for you. Okay. There's all, one thing one thing that's been odd though, I think you mentioned it last time we played, is all the random achievements you get. That's kind of oh weird. Oh my though. god. Every, every step I take in MS2, and if you guys are in a CB, in a closed beta, you can you can relate to this. Every step I take, it's like Walker medal, like Walker tier two medal, like High jumper because I jump like twenty times. Like I don't, I don't want to see this shit. Like it's just clutter on my screen at that point. And literally every time you interact with a piece of furniture for the first time, every single furniture has their own achievement as well. You get a trophy for it. So one I actually liked. I mean, again, I was just going through all of them. I think there was an event going. I've got like two hundred or something. You get some reward when the game launches. I was trying to get all two hundred trophies. So there's one where there's actually like a toilet you can sit down on it, right? When you sit down on it, you get the you get the achievement 
dropping the kids off at the pool <laughs> for, the, for, for a toilet. So I thought it was pretty funny. Some of those achievements have some pretty good names on it. They're, they're in good taste, at least some of them. I feel like achievements were the start of like this bloatification of gaming. Like I remember yeah. when I when I remember kids in the good old days, okay? The good old days. Nostalgia speaking. Okay, think Super Nintendo or even Nintendo 64 era, okay? You get the game, right? You put it in the console, you flip the switch, and you're playing the game. That's it. There's a, there's a menu screen, start, and you're in, right? But since yeah. since about the time achievements started coming in, we got all all this blow, these long tutorials, this like this nonsense that comes up on your screen. I don't want mm-hmm. things on my screen when I'm playing a game, right? Unless they're very important to, to, to what's going on at that moment. And I feel like achievements were just the first step in just bloating everything. Right. And I think a lot of older MRPGs too, like from the get-go when you launch the game to when you start like just actually playing the game is much quicker. I mean, Ultima Online, you just literally pick a starting city and just start playing right away. Yeah, there's no done. like Go. mandatory tutorials, no nonsense. And there's no, achie- quest, there's no achievements like well. in, in Ultima no Online. There's no yeah. achievements. You do your own thing. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. There's, a, there's something for, that's to say about that as well. But... I, I, I got another Nexon story uh, before we move. Let's hear since, since we're already on Nexon here. They are working on a card game, mobile card game. It's them and literally everybody else. Yeah, Everyone's but, doing mobile card games. But, but no one's going to chase, no chase Hearthstone. We all know it. But here's the thing. They actually, it's not the first, obviously, card game by them. They have so they have, they have like a Mabinogi-inspired card game already. Dual Link. Is that, Lena? is that Lena in the background all the time? That is not Lena. But I'm going to play this trailer. Uh, you sure it's not Lena? It looks like Lena to me. Somehow they bagged a deal with Marvel to make a Marvel card game. I'm surprised Nexon got the you know the deal, but but here it is. This is the reveal trailer. There's actually nothing in this trailer to be honest. But I'm just a little surprised that um, you know Disney gave such a big fran- you know Western franchise to uh, to Nexon. So hopefully uh, hopefully it's okay. Who, 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 you know you know why? Who else would they give it to? Like who, what were you thinking? Out of curiosity. Uh, I think EA, Nexon's actually Blizzard. Blizzard. Look get, at oh, get, hold on. Uh, look at EA and Blizzard. Both EA and Blizzard don't have the. Don't have the contacts in Asia, like in China and Korea. I, I'm pretty sure EA and Blizzard don't publish any games directly in, oh. in either. Oh, China so you're telling or me? Korea. So, so did, with this game, Nexon Disney... has relationships with Tencent, and they did publish all their. So they, they mean global. They, 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 they yeah, I guess they have global uh, idea. How big is? I, I have no clue. But how big is Marvel overseas like in China? Probably big, right? All those comic book movies probably do well. I, I don't know, but don't Nexon know. is not a small company either. No, I mean, we, yeah. We, yeah. I think Nexon is at least like a twenty billion dollar company, which is pretty insane. I'm, 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 I'm gonna look it up right now. They're, I think they're, one, they're definitely one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. Yeah. They're 1.5 trillion yen, so I gotta see how much that is. They're 13.4 billion. They're, they're definitely one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. So definitely not like they're partnering with a nobody. But I think yeah, you're right. You're right for the West, though. It does seem weird for the Western market to not pub, not partner with like EA or something. So I, I, I don't think Blizzard would publish. Does Blizzard really publish games? They just do their own stuff. I don't know. I I, I feel like it'd be hard to say no to Mar- Disney coming in and saying, "Hey, you want this." Yeah, true. Speaking of mobile games, Altai, have you heard of the latest mobile game this week that was just announced? Literally, I think this morning. Are you talking about Fantasy Star Mobile with a weird name? I am. In order to celebrate, first I want to show you this tweet, which uh, one of our MMOs.com viewers and my buddy on Discord replied to the, my announcement on Twitter for this, my article I wrote for it, News Post. It was basically their 30th anniversary. And my buddy Milk goes, Happy 30th anniversary, our loyal fans. Here's some FGO-looking bullshit no one asked for. <laughs> because actually, it, well, the first thing I thought of, so if you click into the article in the news post, mm-hmm. you'll see the trailer. The first thing I thought of when I saw this was, this is like some FGO clone or something. And that's a fake grand order. It's another mobile game. All right, boys, we're going to play this trailer uh, so you guys can see. Okay, so first of all, i got to pause for a second here. They're obviously, here's a, here's a tried-and-true formula. 
to milk people uh, on the mobile gaming. They get you with nostalgia. Like all those Final Fantasy games with the record keeper and stuff, you get to play all your favorite characters, right? So with yeah. this, the trailer starts with, I guess, scenes from the very first Fantasy Star game, right? This, this mm-hmm. 8-bit game. So they want to get all the old players that are you know, currently adults now and working and don't have time maybe for games, but they have cell phones. And they want to get those people to just spend 50 bucks on stupid gotcha waifus. And that's how to do it. Look at this, 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 this nostalgia at the beginning, though. These old, old, you know, clips from old Fantasy Star games. Mm-hmm. The 30th anniversary for this, this long-running franchise. And all we get is going to be some, some Fantasy Star Idola. Some waifu collector gotcha nonsense. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. The, the, the characters are pretty cute, and the art looks pretty good, too. It's got, the, it's got waifus, all right? The waifus look pretty quality, all right? They're quality, quality waifus. waifus. But at the end of the day, it's just yet another gotcha collector, hero collector game. And it, it actually looks so much like Fake Grand Order, it seems like a little too much to be a coincidence. I think they realized how much money Fake Grand Order made. And like just, just the combat scenes and the UI elements scream Fake Grand Order. I mean, not that that one is particularly original either, but these games really follow the same formula. Yeah. And uh, that's a good point, though. Like, I think, I, think I, I was actually surprised at how many fans of Fantasy Star Online exist here in the West. It's not a game I ever got into. I never had a Dreamcast when it came out. Uh, the PS2 version too, wasn't there? But I don't think we ever played it though. Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I never got into it. But I'm, and obviously they don't care about their Western audience too much. Fantasy Star Online never really, came, or two never came here, uh, despite mm-hmm. a, a lot of people still asking for it and, and knowing about it. Um, so it just seems like a, a, a quick cash grab on an established franchise. Yeah. And you know we we know these games make money. I mean, Fake Grand Order makes a billion dollars a year now. I think I, I know we, we had a previous discussion about um, whether we thought the next mainline Final Fantasy game, you know, whether it be an MMORPG or another console, another like just mainline story-driven epic RPG, the way I guess Final Fantasy 15 was, would be for mobile this time around. And I I believe now more than ever the next mainline Final Fantasy game, whether it's an MMORPG or not, will be on uh will be on mobile. There's I, th- I feel like. The trends are just so much more stacked heavily towards mobile. So, here's some inter- here's an interesting chart I want to show you from uh, Square Enix's last earnings call, which is, I believe in May. So this is uh the f- first you can show the first chart and then the second chart. Okay. The first chart is um their digital entertainment section for HD games. So HD games uh, the way Square Enix kind of defines them is basically uh, all their console games and their PC games, right? Basically almost everything besides mobile. So these are the Final Fantasy 15s. These are the big, uh, you know, the game is the Tomb Raider games. These are the big budget, you know, big dick games from them from 2014 till 2018. If you look, it's relatively flat. It's up from 47.3 to 65.6. And these numbers are billions of yens. It's it's pretty, it's generally pretty flat though. And it relies very heavily on big budget releases. Now this includes the release of Final Fantasy 15 most recently. I think that was in physical year of 2017, which is why we saw a big jump, 92.8. And it went right back down. And then look at the, the mobile game section. Look at that. So it's basically been flattened up a little bit. And then look how much we've seen mobile games grow. Oh, and baby. There is no way on God's green earth that Square Enix is going to make their next giant budget game a console game when they could just release it on mobile. Where this we, the same time period, 2014 to 2018, and we have like a, a, more than a threefold increase versus like a 40% increase before. And look how much more steady. Uh, smart devices and PC browsing. These are basically almost all mobile games. They have some browser games included here as well. And yeah, Stormblood also launched in 2017, which included those numbers. 
It's also important to look at the orange line, which is their operating income, not just net sales. Because yeah. uh, as you guys might know, um, the, the the cost of making uh, a game like Final Fantasy 15 or 14 for that matter is much higher than the cost of making uh, you know cash grab mobile gimmick game. So this, Hell yeah. So, <laughs> so there's that to keep in mind as well. Uh, so not only are they making more money, revenue, but also more profit from these kind of games. So you know, given given the trends, I mean, there's no surprise that we got the new Star Ocean game, was uh, was also another mobile gotcha game. So just for reference, so you can see about uh, 20 billion yen in operating income. So that's about you know a fourth of their sales comes down to like 25 percent profit margin on those, versus uh, I think quite a bit less, nine billion over there. So it's like 13 percent or so, 15 percent, 14 percent or so for for HD games. Mm-hmm. So higher margins and way more growth and way more potential in smartphone games, unfortunately. So I don't think. I don't think we're gonna get our next big uh, Final Fantasy game is gonna be on uh, is gonna be on, uh, on on PC or console. In fact, I think there was a there was a, a survey a couple weeks ago that Final Fantasy fourteen sent out, but basically kind of like asking questions about would you be interested in playing a new MMO right from Final Fantasy or something. And I, even the next Final Fantasy, there will be another MMO I think in Final Fantasy uh, after Final Fantasy fourteen, though probably not for a while. But I don't think we'll get another PC game from them. It just it just it doesn't make sense. I think I think you're right uh, on your trend. But I just think the fact that these games start many years before they get announced, I think mm-hmm. tell, there's probably at least one more in the pipeline. So they wouldn't launch yeah. a new one. They wouldn't start development today on a new one. But I think Final Fantasy 16, whatever it is, is probably already in development like two years ago, even three years ago. So for Final Fantasy took 10 years to make. Exactly. You know, it, was a, it was a decade-long process. Sure, but I, they go in parallel sometimes too. So I, yeah. I, think, I think there's one already in the pipeline that's going to launch on PS5, mm-hmm. probably around launch time for PS5. But that, that's yeah. it after that. Fair. So I think what I'm trying to say is get used to mobile gaming, boys. It's here to stay. <laughs> so, yeah, PC gaming is still, still not going to die. Thanks to at least Fortnite is, you know, Fortnite is huge for PC. It's not even out on uh, iOS yet or in, or in China. And it still makes over $300 million a year. So big, big, you know, big games like Fortnite are definitely keeping PC up there as well. I think, uh, yeah, Canaris made a comment to FGO versus Metal Gear Solid. I think we mentioned last week that uh, in lifetime sales, Fake Grand Order made as much money as uh, every single Metal Gear game over the last 31 years. And that's two years for FGO, which is absolutely nuts. Indeed. I got another interesting story out there. Uh, here's what you think about this one. The Calling 2 is gone. It shut down. I heard, I heard. It's kind it of... literally shut down within like three days or four days of, uh, of it launching. It was an unmitigated failure and a disaster and anyone who played it or just looked at the trailer would have realized this was a terrible idea and with from the ashes of the culling 2 comes a relaunched version of the culling and it's it's pretty interesting because a lot of people basically the culling for those that don't know is a battle one of the, one of the earlier battle royale games and a really fun one I, I think I about over 20 hours on it uh, my buddy is like over 100, 100 hours on it but um I, I played a decent amount, and a lot of my friends saying the game was basically ruined by poor balance decisions and really weird design choices. Like, but the, the base game was great because it's basically a battle royale game, very heavily inspired, basically melee only battle royale with some like bows and some basic last tier firearms that are mega strong but very little bit of ammo. So they actually they actually relaunched it uh, this last week, called the Day One build. So they literally brought the game back with the exact same build they had in March 2016 from launch. So. None of their balance changes, none of their tweaks. Literally day one, balance. 
and they're seeing where it goes from there. I think that's from around the time we played it. Is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember having a. We decent, played a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I don't know yeah. what they did to like make it worse from there. Yeah, we stopped playing it pretty early, but yeah. I mean, the game had like over five thousand players at one point. It was definitely one of the earlier uh, battle royale games, but. I played it with the relaunch, uh, the day one relaunch. I played for four hours the other day. That's one game I played this week. I played four hours worth of uh, the calling in one sitting, and I had fun with it. It's one of the few battle royale games that are melee focused, and it's re- it requires a lot of skill. Melee combat feels very rewarding when done correctly. Got a really weird rockstar scissors mechanic, which I think is a lot of fun. So the real and question, it, the real mm-hmm. question, has the calling two usurped the throne? Of uh, Radical Heights for the shortest oh, definitely, lived, definitely. the shortest lived uh, battle royale of all time. I think it, la- it lasted less than a week. The Calling <laughs> Two lasted less than. I think after like two days, <laughs> they, they decided to shut it down. That's so beautiful. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it shut down. And the, Jim Sterling made a great video on the Calling Two, as Canaris pointed out. Uh, I strongly recommend watching it just for the memes and the walls because it's it's brutal but also honest. There was no reason for the Calling Two, and it's 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 dead. So, but I enjoyed it, so I felt like bringing it up, even though it's, you know yeah. it's very small format battle royale I think 12 players per map or something how is uh, Calling 2 I mean Calling 1 doing now on Steam uh, there's no data on the day 1 reference because it's it's kind of listed as a different game than the Calling so uh, you can't find data on it but it's got way more than the number of people because the Calling shows like 12 players online yeah. but the Calling 2 the, 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 the day 1 version has got way more because there's over a thousand people watching it on, on Twitch oh. and I got maps pretty quickly so so it's a different game. So it's a different game. Yeah, it, it, it's listed as the Calling Day One reference, but you you only get it if you buy the original Calling. But the, the oh, Calling, the, the, right. the newly launched Calling Day One version, will be free to play at one point, at some point. It's just the early access for it costs money. But they go with the free to play model. Okay. Yeah. And I'm rooting for it. I thought I thought it was pretty fun. I think it still has a big uphill battle ahead of it, but I had fun playing the Day One version. Right. I got a I got a VR story. You don't get these that often anymore. All right, and it's a uh, it's a collaboration between Intel, uh, Sensor. Is it porn related? I thought. Is it porn related? No, it is not porn related. Intel no, is not. I lost interest. Unfortunately, Intel is not yet in the porn business. Maybe one day. One day, boys. Uh, but they teamed up with Sansar, which are the guys that are making that new. Uh, the guys who made uh, Second Life. They're still working mm-hmm. on their VR version called Sansar, uh, but they teamed up with the Smithsonian Museum, and I think this is a great use for VR right now because. Uh, Boring. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to museums in VR. Yeah, Fuck that. Cause think about I want to see some anime titties in VR. Gaming. See, here's the funny thing about VR. Why did we assume gaming was gonna be like the first use case? Like computers. It's not like it's not like the guys who created computers initially were like, guys, it would be amazing if we could play games on these like machines that like calculate things. No, they made computers for practical, real life reasons, right? Uh, and then gaming was like a offshoot, like. Well, I mean, we got the computer anyway. We're bored. We're off work. Let's do this gaming stuff. So why? So it's. I think it was a big false start uh, to focus on gaming with VR. I think all this other stuff like real estate, museums, uh, this kind of rehab, rehab and training and stuff will be on VR long before games come out. So games will come out long after those things are already established. Okay. Uh, the, we need. The, the, the best use case today for VR is anime titties. And I feel like for the longest time it's going to be. Uh, Alright, Altai? That's the real reason anybody wants VR. Like, who else? What, you know, everyone's thinking about porn in VR. Alright? The gaming will come later. Well, all right? Porn is also another, uh, you know, what they say is a, a pioneer, te- you know, in technology. So yeah, porn could also come before um, gaming. But even porn requires some kind of fluid FPS, right? Like, you can't have jaggy ass stuff moving around when you move your head. I like Nova Ariela's comment. The dick, the dick fuels creativity. All right. 
And I think one of the best-selling Steam VR games right now is still VR Kanojo, which is uh, which is very clearly an adult game on Steam. Though it does, it, it is uh, by default censored. There's an uncensored version you can get after you buy the game, and it costs fifty bucks, and it's selling well because people want anime titty on VR. We all want anime. Oh, titty. I remember this. You showed me this. Uh, yeah, and, and isn't Steam banning adult games no, again? No, they're back. To, aren't they're back to they, the? They keep going back and model. forth on that. No, they said they, one game was like delayed until they do um, until they do like set some kind of like they want to put some parameters in place so you can like develop some tell like, I, don't, I don't, they're, they're not banning it though. They want to like categorize it a little better or something. I see. Oh yeah, that's a that's a game. This this is a game I'm I, I'm looking forward to playing. All right, maybe maybe I should play this game before you get back home. I'll find this is a <laughs> this this this, this is a game you don't want to play in the company of others. Yeah, that's true. But I think Shu, Shu told me a pretty funny story that um. I think one of our relatives is over, some, uh, you know, an older uncle, and he was playing this VR Kanojo game, and it was very awkward because he was really into it. He was playing it for like hours in her room. That is a, and, and he was obviously groping this uh, this very clearly underage girl in VR in Shu's room. Well, you know what they say: the family that gropes VR girls together stays together. There, that's true. There you go. Don't say fair. Aristotle said that. I I think so. It's a, it's an actual quote right there. Yes, I, w- I will gladly check that out afterwards. Actually, Gas looked at that video earlier. It's, it's quite quality, but I don't think we can show that on on, on stream. In fact, in fact, go go show it all. I, I don't think there's anything. I, I don't think there's any actual nipple in that video, so it's worth. No, no, no. There, there, there might. There's, there's a nipple. Oh, I'm, we not, can't I'm show. not playing that. Sorry. There's a nipple, boys. There's, there's a nipple. We got maybe that. That's a post game one. All right. It is literally one nipple. I think we can't show it though. Feels bad, man. But anyone in the chat, I still recommend checking out that video. It's pretty hilarious. It's quite quality. Anyone out there uh, who's watching? Do you guys have VR? Are you guys using it? What are your opinions on it? The only, uh, the VR chat is still an interesting area for me i watch this one guy on youtube called seymour uh he does these really really like emotional vr chat stories uh that i highly recommend uh i can safely say i have fapped to vr porn on several occasions i have never done I, I haven't i haven't done it uh i, I watched it's, one it's, it's, it's an experience i watched one but the girl wasn't i wasn't into the girl so i just no. I was too lazy to download a new one it's all good you have anything else you got there's a big update coming from Final Fantasy 14. Kind of updated, kind of, kind of hyped for that a little bit, but it's a big update. So Tell me what's coming. About. Tell me what's coming. All right, it's it's a biggie. Uh, so a biggie. It's, it's adding a whole, it's a biggie. It's adding a whole new new raid tier to the game. So wow, four new four new raids. All you know, four new dungeons basically. Well, not, again, you don't want to call them dungeons because they're just boss fights. Yeah, which will, which will probably be, you know keep most players occupied for like a couple months. Hardcore players will be done with it, you know, in, in probably a month or two because you need to run it every week to get your gear. You you get one drop per. You, know, you only run it once per week each one. So that'll be really fun. It's coming out in September. Along with that, they're they're adding um some balance, some small balance changes across the board. They're adding a new uh, Eureka zone, which is like the separate leveling zone to the game. It's the third installment. Oh, the second installment is coming, I think, later this month. Actually, so the second one is coming later this month, and in September the third one's coming. Are you maxed? I'm not. It's actually unbelievably boring. I don't know. I don't know who designed this Eureka system. It's actually the most like not fun thing to do in the world. Maybe maybe, maybe I can rant about this for a little bit, but. Uh, so in Final Fantasy XIV, there's this Eureka area in the game inspired by Final Fantasy XI. So basically, when you go there, you start level one. It's like a separate leveling zone. So you, levels are independent of your actual character level, and you just you, you can kill monsters there and level up. And uh, every once in a while, there's like a boss spawns, and if you kill the boss, you get like tons of XP. But it's so unbelievably boring because 
you're just you can a just literally grind, or b just literally follow a giant train of people killing bosses for like hours and hours at a time. There, there's no skill required. The only thing I do when I, I'm like level 17 or 16 on there, so I'm pretty close to like 20 is the max level right now. So you just slash follow a group of people, and when a boss spawns, you go back and you, and you, you, you tag the boss a couple times and you get full credit for it. So I'm just literally oh. running out of one monitor and not paying attention at all. And every, every like five minutes, I'll take a look at it to make sure, uh, did the boss spawn? Oh, the boss spawn. Let me go tag it a couple times, and then I get credit for it. So they don't scale the reward based on damage. As long as you no. tag it, you they, get they it. They do a little bit. There's like oh. there's like bronze, silver, and gold here, but the, you just join a party, and then as long as somebody else hits it a couple times, you get it. It's very easy to get gold. Okay. It's, a, it's a, you don't really, you don't even soul you don't do a lot to get gold you can get gold very easily, but the thing is you have to kill a lot of monsters to spawn the bosses right, and since there's like a hundred 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 plus players in there you know you can just go AFK and wait somebody, somebody else, else does it that. and uh, somebody else always does it the Ferdy Rider problem, the free rider problem boys, time for some good old fashioned bitching but what's remarkable is I feel like they could have done a way better job, it was really just feel like they, they just slapped it together they didn't really think too much about it and it's really boring, like I don't think anyone. Did the Eureka content and like, hey, I had a lot of fun doing this. There's not one person who can say that because it's actually just, just poorly designed. And it was just, it was literally like the best way to describe Eureka in Final Fantasy fourteen is it was literally just just quote unquote content. It was content for the sake of content with no like effort or soul to it. Unbelievably poorly executed, and they're adding the second and third parts, which hopefully are a little bit better. But and they had this weird system where like every like six levels or something you can get like uh, you can. Put a crystal in this like weird slot thing. There's like there's like five different elements, right? And there's like fire, water, ice, earth, wind, or some shit. And if you put like a point to fire, you'll do more damage to fire enemies or something, and take less damage from like water enemies or from fire enemies or something. So some some bullshit like that. But you can just change it at will. There's like, this wheel. This really bizarre system. I'm describing it very poorly, but it was such an afterthought of a system, where it was supposed to like you're supposed to like um, like adjust your wheel. To defeat enemies of certain uh, like fire enemies or water enemies, but it was little nonsense because you, you could just adjust it at will, where it just did nothing basically. I don't know. I, I'm describing it really poorly. Words aren't coming out right now, but it was this. It, it was just an awful system. So wasn't this Yuriko mode the 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 thing where some guy was trolling and getting people killed or something? Oh yeah, yeah. Explain that again. The, I remember that being a good story. That was actually the funniest part of this content, and actually people ended up content. getting banned for it. So let me see if we can find a, a clip for it. So basically. Some of the boss fights are a bit of a clusterfuck, and yeah. there's over 100 players in one area trying to kill a boss. And what you can do sometimes is you can pull an enemy from further away into the group where people are fighting, and some enemies do massive AOE attacks, right? So you pull an enemy that does a massive AOE attack, and you pull it towards the boss, and a lot of players are underleveled, right? Because you still get credit. If the, even, the, even if the boss is like level 15 or level 2, you still get some experience for it. So half the players there are usually underleveled and will get one-shot by anything in that area. So you pull an enemy that does AOE into the boss, and it, it just AOE one-shots everybody. So why do you get so banned people, for that? People got banned. People get banned for that now. What? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of silly. You're literally just just like you're using in-game mechanics oh. to kind of troll people, but it, it's an it's an intended mechanic. They don't like it. Don't put AOEs into the game, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's a bit bizarre they banned for that, but I don't know. This whole this whole it's literally just filler content. It, it is all it is. It's filler content that has it has no rewarding feeling to it. It's literally soulless filler content. Pretty terrible. So what is the what's that like? What's the distance in the Final Fantasy you can run before the mob resets? Because you know I can. In this area, it's a lot further than normal for some reason. Oh, so so, so that's why you can pull higher level. So they chose to add that. Yes. And then they punish you for using it. Yes, I agree. It's awful. It Just no don't sense. add it. Like I don't understand. Like what is this mindset? What? Here. So here's the thing about. And the, okay. Think how you feel about this, 
and apply and apply it to how I feel. I, I feel identically the way you feel about this to uh, to leaving games or, or or saying bad words in games. Okay, where I'm not I'm not saying the guy should do that, but why give him the tools in game to do it if you're going to ban him for it? That's what I'm trying to say. But again. With this mechanic, I agree with you because these the the little design of the game allows these yeah. monsters to chase players and do AOE attacks. They could have easily gotten rid of the AOE attacks, right? It would, it would have fixed everything. Yeah, yeah. But they literally just like or, put it into the game or make the reset time the same as everywhere else. Like, if, if that's going to be a problem for them, I'm trying to see if you can find the clip for them because I, th I thought the clip was actually pretty hilarious of people getting uh getting wrecked over there. But I, I can't find it right now. Where this guy just pulls an enemy and does AOE and kills like 40 people. I agree that they shouldn't ban for this, but I can still understand the banning for like literally breaking game mechanics. These games, those competitive games, aren't designed around people leaving. Like for example, I don't think it's be bannable to just literally leave a party in Final Fantasy XIV. Like you're in a raid, right? It's best and you just what? decide to leave. That's bannable. That's, no, it's not. But oh. that, that's fine because leaving in itself yeah. isn't a problem. Yeah. It's only a problem in a structured game like League of Legends or Dota or Overwatch, where the game is there's, there's no alternative like fixing that problem when somebody leaves, where it just becomes an instant loss for the team that, that has a lever. They could also easily made it so the AoEs only affect the party as well. That works as well. There's so many solutions for it. But I, I don't think you should ban, uh, no, the, for 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 for, for griefing like that. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a perfect example of what I'm trying to get at. The internet should be for fun, not serious boy talk. So okay, so I said after my spiel about people being banned, Baldron says, um, uh. Difference is, even if there's not an exit button, people can still easily exit the game. Alt F4, right? Yeah. I said, okay, that's true for exit, but what about stealing items in Dota 2 from the courier, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, for that. I'm, I, he's on my side with that. I go, why? Because I, I used to do that for fun, because I thought it was funny. Lameo. <laughs> See? That's what I'm saying! <laughs> Something like this is fun! All right? Look, look, I think the beauty of uh, MMORPGs is that you can the, the community can kind of self-regulate to a degree. If someone is kind of known to be an asshole, or literally garbage player, or a toxic player, people the word gets out, right? And people can just not just keep the guy from the party, right? For being an asshole, and people can self-regulate like that too. You, nobody wants somebody in that party, which is like just trolling, griefing, being an asshole. Nobody wants that. And with an MRPG, there is you know, people. There is a reputation to be known. Like people, like sometimes realize, oh shit, this guy does a lot of damage. This guy's you know, this, this is a well-known black mage. They do pretty good damage. Like, uh, uh, I, 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 and there are people that are just, there's no for being awful players. Like when I see like some awful players that I know by name, not even yeah. by looking them up, I just by playing with them, I will yeah. automatically keep them from my party because I know they're bad. Yeah. And, and I'll join parties and be like, oh shit, you know, it's, it's Rimote. He does pretty good damage. He's like a really good black mage. Like some people will know that. You know, my friend gets recognized for being a good uh, white mage, for example, too. Like people, can, you know, there's a repu there's an earned reputation in game. And I think that creates a lot of good self-regulation where I don't think you need to kind of do bans by Square Enix to deal with these problems. I mean, people will just, you know, exclude players on their own. Actually, in a way, I think that I don't know if Final Fantasy has this, but a lot of games today do. The name change, mm -hmm. right? I think yeah. that's that's more toxic than uh, than other stuff. I agree. I hate the name change. should tell you all the previous names of somebody. That exactly, because if somebody has a bad reputation, like you were saying, uh, they got to live with that or or work very hard to mend it, right? But if they can just pay yeah. it to change their name, um, well, then you know, f, f everyone else, you know. So I'm not for, I'm not against punishing people who need to be punished, but again, the punishment should be in the game. And in an MMORPG environment, it's so that easy. Works in it works really well. Yes, yes. Everything works. In, in a game like Final Fantasy XIV, I am okay with everything. Any form of in-game, like, griefing and trolling and bullshit, because the game can self-regulate, and it does. It really does. People don't give enough credit, but, like, people get known for being assholes, and yeah. they get excluded and There's, there's a, a guild blacklist for people who don't, like, uh, at least there was in WoW, like, people, you know, just ninja loot or 
BS. Mm-hmm. Can actually give an example too. He goes on hunts to Final Fantasy 14, and there are link shells, which are basically like um, party chats in the game you get invited to, right? And they share locations where these S ranks spawn. They're higher tier monsters that you get big rewards for killing, right? And if you're ever an asshole, they literally just blacklist you and kick you out from there. And if you're not in that link shell, you won't know when the S rank spawns. You won't know where in the world it is, and you won't be able to get there in time to kill it if you're not in these groups. So it, it really does a good job of self policing. I think the name change thing is unbelievably stupid, though, that you can name change. And you don't. You should have to look at somebody's name and, and see all previous aliases with that name. Yeah, that's a good. And that, idea. Would, that would fix the whole that's problem. A, that's a good fix. You're right. Yeah. Easy solution. Because the weirdest thing, the stupidest thing that happens right now is I log in. There's a guy on my friend list, and I see this guy in town. His name is in orange, and orange means he's in your friend list. Like, who the fuck is this person? Like, they they, they name change, they race change, <laughs> they gender change. What the fuck? I don't know who I'm dealing with anymore. Like, I literally and they say hi to you, and like, who the fuck is this guy? Just, uh, it's just, just, it's weird. just say that to them. Who the fuck are you? Stop changing yeah, your goddamn. Yeah. Name oh, and, and race. There's, there's, there's one person I know. Like they, they, they don't name change. They, they literally just, just race change like every week. I think it was we, we talked about that one person being like a, like role playing as a shapeshifter and just literally changing oh. race every day. That was a funny story. That's a story worth telling again. Okay. So for all of the people out there who think there's a limit or, or a ceiling to how much uh, you can charge for microtransactions and how much you can milk one whale, there's no limit. And uh, this was a story on Reddit where this. Uh, Guy who worked for Star, I believe it was Star Trek Online. He worked for um, Cryptic, right? It's Cryptic. Mm-hmm. And he says there was a guy who would spend literally thousands a day while he was role playing as a shapeshifter. So he would literally sit there and in the middle of like a text line, pay for a, a, a race change, and then five seconds later, change for, you know, do it again. Like, this guy is insane. That's nuts. What do you do with this guy? <laughs> you let him keep blowing his money or whatever. My he goodness. God bless. Oh let him waste his money. I don't know what to do with that guy. He got. He needs help. I, I I don't think you should just let him keep spending. I think he's insane. <laughs> hey, three's thrown, right? Uh, three's thrown. I, I don't know, man. I feel bad. I'm not trying to stop him from like a police you know, position, just a mental health position. Yeah, true. You're also adding um. <laughs> <laughs> He must be a very lonely man. <laughs> uh, it, it is really bizarre. But hey, if, if, if it brings him his jollies, all right, good for him. All right, he's not hurting anyone. No, he's not hurting. He's hurting himself. I'm, I'm just worried about him. But if he says, you know what, I'm fine, then then whatever. Yeah. It's. I, I think we would all be surprised to see just how much, um, you know, people spend a microtransaction. There's always gonna be that. There's always that. You know, that one person who spends like a fortune on these games, and it's it's the way it is. They're built on that. Anything else? Thing? Anything else spicy this week? I got a, I got a funny story. So a book came out recently about uh, Ultima Online, actually. I, I do plan to read it. Um, it's called Braving Britannia, and this is an excerpt from the from the book. And I'll, I'll just briefly describe the story that he explained. So this is the this is the head producer of UO during about from like 2000 to whatever a couple of years after. And do you remember when they were before Renaissance expansion came out, which was mm-hmm. the first expansion that came out when once we started playing? Mm-hmm. They had an event. Where the town of Trinsic was going to be invaded by uh, oh yeah I, the... I I I read the story it's actually pretty great so keep explaining yeah. okay so remember uh, Ultima Online was a live service and they had servers all over the world in the U S in Europe and Japan so they planned an event where the undead would invade the city of Trinsic and basically players could if they chose to hold out for as long as they could but the plan was they're going to die eventually because they would just keep sending waves and waves of undead until everyone died so they ran the event first in, in the U S. And what happened is, predictably, you know, people fought the monsters for as long as they could. The, the pro players lasted the longest, and then they all died. Okay. 
And then the Japanese, you know, the, the time zone was eventually was time for Japan. And in Japan, what happened was uh, all the players actually worked together. So they, you know, they formed shield walls with healers behind, and everyone worked together, and they actually defeated the, the, every single wave. Uh, but there was no, if there was no um, planning for if they actually, if the players resisted, right? So if they still got noticed that like, oh, you're all dead, but now we're gonna save you, and they got mad in Japan. And it, what happened in Europe was also interesting. In Europe, it was mostly role-playing players, right? So they didn't even bother fighting. They just they didn't they didn't defend the city. They just let the city fall. And then the guy, the producer, was talking about the cultural differences between the three uh, cultures. I guess, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, when I, I read the article too, and what's pretty interesting, it says that like a lot of the American players are very like individualistic. They had, like very small groups of players holding out in different parts of the town, right? And nobody worked together. You had small groups working together, but there was no grand collaboration. But the Japanese players really stunned the developers because it was this amazing effort of like hundreds of players working as like one unit, where you had you had merch, you, you had crafters in the back lines just basically churning out ton infinite resources of potions, to keep players running. It was this unbelievably well-oiled machine of coordination, and they just held off entirely. Like they didn't know what to do at that point. Like holy shit! Like, like these guys, they they just won't die. You know, they keep spawning more enemies and they keep killing them because <laughs> all the players keep working together, and there was no way like. And they weren't. They couldn't. I guess they couldn't create custom enemies with like, infinite damage. But, like any enemy you spawn in there, they would just kill. So the Japanese players are uh, way more coordinated than Americans, who were yeah. individualistic and just fought on their own until they died. And the EU cucks didn't even fight. It feels bad. <laughs> here's a here's a story if you guys want to read it. But uh, after reading this, I want to buy the book. The book sounds like fun, mm -hmm. especially because Omar and I we actually played during this era. We started uh, a few months before Renaissance came out, and then we played for many years after. So this is exactly the era that we, we got into MMOs. Mm -hmm. Good shit. Funny story. Yeah, I kind of buy because I, I read the article on Venture Beat too, and I kind of buy the book after that. I'm always nostalgic about Ultima Online, and I still uh, it's still my favorite MMORPG of all time. Just uh, the stories and events of that game, I think were left left a pretty lasting impact on my life. It's like well, it's most it's probably my most memorable video game of all time. I, I've literally spent years of my life on that game, and. Just, just the world of that of Ultima Line still like I could still draw a map of the world of Ultima Line pretty accurately. Uh, the the beauty of the game, which I don't, I don't think can be replicated now, is the fact that everybody who was playing was doing it for the first time together, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was no like power gamer who's got like two monitors like we do today with like a database site, you know, optimal strats, optimal build, uh, level five. What what gear should you have? Level ten. Like what gear should you have? Like what should you be doing? Like, that didn't exist back then. Uh, so it was mm -hmm. it was a lot lot more fun exploring and learning with everyone else for the first time yeah and, and if i remember correctly the, the built-in map was very basic it only showed you your surrounding area whereas now games you get like nowadays you get like world maps built into games like ultimately i didn't have a world map either there's so much of the game you just kind of have to discover on your own that's pretty badass well unfortunately now if you play a private server uh one of the first resource links they give you is uo auto map which like i said yeah, yeah, I know, on your second monitor you can literally just put the whole world map with you you know with, with all the locations marked um uh, so it does. It does. It does say that it's going to be impossible to ever relive that because of the the fact that information is so instantly transmitted now. Did Ultima give Japanese any reward? No, the the, the developers at the time they had no uh, they had they had no plan in place for if the if the players resisted. The story was that the the Trinzic will fall and then everyone will escape to uh, this portal to like the safer world called Trammel in the game. And that, that happened regardless whether they defended or not, because it was expected they were not going to defend. So it obviously left the Japanese players kind of pissed off, but it's just the way it was designed. Indeed. You know, EverQuest never map either, and that was a lot of fun. Yep. 
I still remember getting lost in EverQuest, you know, finding like, if you, you can get lost in a dungeon, there's no maps. You'd like, you, sometimes you'd ask like, how do I get to like, uh, high keep from like South Quenos? Like you, and you, the guy's like typing out instructions for you. Cause like, there's no map in the game and map didn't come out for that. Like, I don't think a plugin came out for that game to add a map for a long time. So it was actually just like landmarks and you could actually get lost. And the, and the feeling of actually being lost in the MRPG, like quite literally lost, is a feeling you're not going to get in any other MRPG because every game has a map now. So you can't be lost anymore. I feel like that's a that's like a big part of being a kid, uh, exp- yeah. being lost. Sense of exploration yeah, yeah, and wonder, and, and lost. You gotta be lost for at least a little bit. You know, like don't. Okay, what we try to say is, in order for us to be found, we must first be lost. That's deep. Right Hashtag there. deep. Yeah, there you go. You got a, you got a different connection to like an environment where you're you're exploring it on your own. You're lost and you find your way. Uh, yeah. The foreboding. You need those negative feelings. You know, like the, the fear. Mm-hmm. Can't be lost anymore. Feel yeah. You know what? Even in real life, you can't be lost. Uh, everyone has a cell phone now with GPS. That's it. The world, the little, the whole world is literally, you know, a screen to you now. Mm-hmm. Can't be lost, boys. And not only can you not be lost, monsters literally can't kill you. Remember Star Wars: <laughs> Republic, where you just aggroed a couple of bo- like five enemies in a dungeon and went AFK and they just can't kill you. Like your HP tick was higher than monsters can do damage. And I feel like mo- in Final Fantasy XIV, it's like that as well. If you aggro enemies, it doesn't matter. You just can't die. If you're doing the main story quest and you're doing these like these these supposed like you know cinematic fights where you find these well-known enemies in the, the main story quest, like they just can't kill you. Like you just stand there and they can just whack at you and you just don't die. You know, it, it just loses any sense of immersion. Yeah. Whereas like you know even in World of Warcraft, you know Vanilla WoW, if you when you start in Goldshire, you know you pull like two of those wolves, you're just dead. You know you can't kill two wolves at once, bro. You can only kill one at a time. Good times, yeah. boys. Good yeah. times. There's something we said about the value of kind of like watching a movie in theaters opening day versus like a DVD like 10 years later. And that's kind of true with MRPGs as well. And you got to be there launch day and learn with everyone. Uh, it's, it's, it's a much different experience than playing it 10 years later when they nerfed the shit out of all the monsters and everything yeah. is easy mode. I mean, that, that, that even applies to today too. When a new raid comes out in uh, World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, you know, the, playing day one without watching a video on what to do and when to do it is way more exciting and way more fun than just to watch some 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 person explain it to you. Okay, guys, at w- when the boss does this attack, you got to stand on this side of the map, count to three, and then take one step back. No, that, that's bullshit. You know, if you do it for the first, it's just way more fun learning it on day one and just figuring it out on your own. And of course, you just didn't have that option back in the day, but you know, the option is available today, but usually those guys don't come out for them until like a week after. So you can still get the experience today if you're looking for it. All right. Well, that's all I got. My you. I think that's all I have too. Let me just think it's it, boys. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you. Oh, didn't we say we're gonna stream on YouTube? We'll do that. We'll do that when I'm we'll, back in we'll, Vegas. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll figure something out with that. We'll, yeah, we'll, do that we'll, we'll try. We'll try to do both. Yeah, we'll try to do both. All right. Well, sorry, YouTube. No post game for you once again. Maybe next right, time. But- We'll do a post game on Twitch though, and I I want to play you in Smash Brothers in the post game. That that could be fun. All right, I gotta I gotta okay. Let me just stop.